Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Wednesday, April 26th, 2023 and the end of week 61 of the Russia-Ukraine War. It's been 3,346 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 427 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, Russian Ministry of Defense reports, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine reports, Operational Commands North, South, and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geolocation experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mill bloggers and social media accounts with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission, to report the truth, because the truth matters. some housekeeping, public access to the war map has not yet been restored. Our team talked to Google by phone yesterday and have been promised an update within 24 hours. Numerous accounts that use the Google My Map option were taken down yesterday in either a coordinated disinformation effort or a decision by the Google Maps team. We have a prototype on ArcGIS which is almost ready for release, so one way or another an interactive map will be returning soon. On the topic of maps, the Google Maps satellite view of Mariupol has been updated. I encourage you to explore the satellite view and click on the pins and see what used to be there and what it looked like a few months ago. Before the large-scale invasion, the population of Mariupol was about 450,000 people. That's roughly the same size as Miami, Florida or Minneapolis, Minnesota. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, the heaviest fighting continues to be limited to the Bakhmut and Marinka operational areas. Second, due to continued poor weather, flooding, and saturated soil, we find it unlikely that Ukrainian offensive operations can start before mid-May. Third, we assess that Russian offensive operations in the Svaltava and Kremina operational areas have culminated. Fourth, the Russian Federation armed forces are combat ineffective and have exhausted their combat potential except in the Bakhmut operational area. Fifth, we maintain the Ukrainian defense of Bakhmut has reached its final phase and Ukrainian forces continue to execute a planned retrograde operation. And finally, we maintain that short of using chemical, biological, radiological, or nuclear, also known as seaburn, weapons, the Russian military will continue doing everything possible to capture Bakhmut 
regardless of the cost. Let's get some regional updates, starting with Kharkiv. It was stable in the Dvorichna operational area, with no significant reports of fighting. In the Kupiansk operational area, the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD, reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the areas of Orleanske and Kotlyarivka, with Ukrainian units conducting reconnaissance. A Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missile used for a ground attack struck the Kupiansk History Museum, wounding five and killing two. During rescue operations, Russian artillery struck the site, targeting emergency workers and wounding five. The museum is a total loss, and intentionally targeting religious, educational, historic, and cultural locations is a war crime. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. In the Svatova operational area, the Russian MOD reported that Ukrainian reconnaissance units were engaged in offensive operations near Novoselivsky and Stelmachivka. Operational Command East, or OKE, spokesperson Colonel Serhii Cherevakti verified the Russian reports of Ukrainian offensive operations, saying, quote, Our defense forces did not allow the enemy to relax and struck back. End quote. Cherevati added that Russian forces fired 423 artillery shells from Dvorichna to Bilohorivka, and Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, carried out 13 airstrikes. Ukrainian forces also claimed they destroyed another two S-4 240mm Tulpan self-propelled mortar without evidence. If true, it would be the ninth Tulpan destroyed, representing a total loss of the active units on February 24, 2022. Further, if destroyed in Luhansk, it would be coming full circle, with the first one destroyed in Rubizhne last year during the siege of Severodonetsk. Russia had hundreds of inactive 2S4s and can bring more into service. While a 240mm mortar weighing 113 kilograms is devastating, the range is under 10 kilometers, making the Tulpan highly susceptible to counter-battery. In the Kremina operational area, Ukrainian sources reported there wasn't significant fighting. Russian mercenary millblogger Worgonzo claimed Russian forces attempted to advance from forested areas west of Kremina and maintained a tradition of failure. They said it, not me. There were continued reports of pockets of positional fighting in the Serbriansky woods. In the Lysychansk operational area, Worgonzo claimed that forces conducted, quote, traditional fighting near Bilohorivka in Luhansk, which was also unsuccessful. In northeast Donetsk, while the report and assessment for Bakhmut may be positive, the situation is still critical for Ukrainian forces. PMC Wagner continues its pattern of a large push, followed by a few days of reduced fighting to reconsolidate. Based on new reports, we made small changes to the map. The Russian MOD reported that their forces completed 62 fire missions in the Bakhmut operational area and nine Army Aviation and VKS close air support sorties. OKE spokesperson Cherevati came close to confirming the Russian report, claiming the operational area was hit by 280 artillery rounds and four airstrikes. A quick sidebar to clarify some terminology. So what's the difference between a sortie and an airstrike? An aircraft conducts a sortie, and a single aircraft could also conduct an airstrike. 
If four aircraft fly together and attack the same target in a coordinated way, that would be four sorties to conduct one airstrike. That's why nine sorties reported by the Kremlin and four airstrikes reported by Kyiv likely align. What's the difference between a fire mission and counting the number of shells that strike an area? A fire mission is when a battery is given orders to fire at a specific target at a specific date and time using a specific type of ammunition with a budget of how many rounds they can fire. That's how 62 fire missions can align to 280 physical artillery strikes. The commander of the Special Operations Forces, or SOF, of the Ukrainian Armed Forces, Brigadier General Viktor Khorenko, went to Bakhmut and visited with his troops, saying, quote, All units of the SSO, which is the SOF, of Ukraine involved in defense of Bakhmut clearly fulfill their assigned tasks. Our soldiers work continuously in extremely difficult conditions and do everything to reduce the number of enemy forces every day, end quote. Northwest of Bakhmut, PMC Wagner led attacks in the directions of Novomarkove, Bogdanivka, and Khomova. PMC Wagner criticized Russian mill bloggers for falsely claiming that Khomova had been captured. Wagner Group leader Yevgeny Prigozhin said, quote, Where such information comes from is a mystery. Once again, I ask you not to run ahead of the locomotive, even if it moves forward as confidently as the orchestra. End quote. There's conflicting information on the state of the T-506 highway ground line of communication, called a G-lock, that's a supply line, which we believe is severed. In the northern part of Bakhmut, multiple sources reported that Russian troops had reached Krainya Street. We adjusted the map, moving School 24 into the area controlled by PMC Wagner. We have no visual evidence to support our assessment, but the salient appears unsustainable based on the known areas of fighting. A geolocated video showed government offices occupied by PMC Wagner on the Avanyevskoho Avenue destroyed by a JDAM ER bomb strike, the first confirmed use of the United States provided GPS guided glide bombs. In central Bakhmut, we made small adjustments to the map based on improved intelligence. We expanded Russian control by one city block to the intersection of Tchaikovsky Street and Pavla Novohorodseva Street while pulling the line of conflict east to Polyaya Street. Intense fighting continued with Ukrainian forces holding high-rises, the technical college, and the medical school. In the southern part of Bakhmut, PMC Wagner took a defensive posture, lacking the resources to do more than point attacks in one or two directions. Ukrainian forces still control schools 2 and 40, the area around the former MiG-17 statue, and have maintained access to the T-504 highway G-lock. Travel is extremely difficult, with the road frequently under Russian fire control. In the Kostyantanivka operational direction, Ukrainian forces repulsed a Russian attack from Klishyivka, with PMC Wagner trying to retake positions west of the Seversky Donetsk Donbass Canal. The attack was unsuccessful. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, 
Russian attacks are becoming ad hoc, with light infantry unsupported by armor and armor advances lacking light infantry and inadequate artillery support. Fighting continued between Novokalinove and Novobakhmutivka with no change in the situation. At the base of the Krasnohorivka Plateau, Russian forces continued attempts to advance to the railroad line east of Stepova without success. Fighting in the no-man's land between Vodyana and Sieverne continued, also without any change in the situation. According to Russian sources, Russian forces attempted to advance, quote, in the direction of Pervomaiske. In our assessment, Ukraine has retaken control of Pervomaiske to the edge of the E-50 ring road, or within two to five hundred meters of the strong point, but we're not prepared to adjust the map. A Russian attack on Nevelske failed, with a column of tanks and infantry fighting vehicles inexplicably approaching in soft soil across wide-open terrain. A geolocated and graphic video that is not safe for work and some may find disturbing showed the attack fall apart as it came under artillery fire. As with most of the photos and videos we reference here on the podcast, we do link to it in our full situation report on Patreon. In the Marinka operational area, fighting continued in what once was the Druzhby Avenue area of the city, and once again, no change in the situation. Moving on to Zaporizhia. At the time of recording, there were reports of multiple explosions in Zaporizhia during an Iranian-sourced Shahed-136 kamikaze drone strike. We have no other information at this time, and NASA Fire Information for Resource Management Systems, or FIRMS, showed no unusual heat anomalies. Ukrainian officials reported that Russian forces conducted 96 fire missions, 10 drone attacks, and 5 airstrikes along the Zaporizhia line of conflict. Overnight, Tokmak was rocked by 12 explosions. In our assessment, the operational security violating battle damage assessment photos are consistent with a HIMARS attack. There were numerous reports from local residents in Berdyansk of a major explosion west of the port city with no other information. NASA firms didn't show any anomalies there either. There was no update on the status of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, or ZNPP. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Operational Command South, or OKS, reported 13 Black Sea Fleet vessels on patrol, including two frigates and two Kilo-class submarines capable of launching up to 24-caliber cruise missiles. In western and central Ukraine, Ukrainian forces carried out extensive counter-battery attacks on the east bank of the Dnipro in occupied Kherson, striking Sadas Burivka, Olapristan, Kardeshinka, Pidlisne, Oleshki, and Pishchanivka. Russian forces responded by conducting 75 fire missions on Free Kherson, firing 389 artillery rounds, mortars, rockets, indirect tank fire, rocket-propelled grenades, and drone-delivered IEDs. The city of Kherson was hit with 33 shells during 11 fire missions, wounding one person. Kherson Oblast Administrative and Military Governor Oleksandr Prokudin signed an order barring any personal watercraft on any body of water in Kherson, saying, quote, This decision was made in order to ensure the safety of shipping and citizens on water bodies and to minimize the risks of sabotage and terrorist threats in the internal waters of Ukraine. The ban applies to all types of watercraft, 
sports, fishing, pleasure boats, etc. The exception is vessels of the Defense Forces of Ukraine and specialists who protect aquatic biological resources. End quote. Operational Command South, or OKS, Director of Communications, Captain Natalia Khomenyuk, asked to, quote, keep everything quiet about Ukrainian forces on the east bank of the Dnipro River, adding that an active counter-battery effort was ongoing that destroyed at least 13 Russian artillery pieces. Assessment here? You know what? No comment. Sergei Lysak, Dnipropetrovsk Oblast Administrative and Military Governor, reported that Nikopol and Marchanets were heavily shelled, wounding two pensioners. In north and northeast Ukraine, in the Sumy Oblast, the Romadas of Khotin, Bilopilia, Yunakivka, and Esmen were attacked with mortars and artillery shells. Over 70 rounds were fired, causing damage to power lines, a sawmill, private homes, and a small business. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. For those of you keeping score at home, Dmitry Medvedev has been on a roll the last 48 hours, telling an audience today, quote, Russia will not hesitate to use nuclear weapons, end quote. Medvedev once again threatened World War III, suggesting that a division of Ukraine would be a possible solution in a peace agreement. Some assessment? Russian leaders appear to be increasingly nervous about the upcoming Ukrainian offensive and is attempting to set conditions in the diplomatic space to build support for a ceasefire to freeze the current line of conflict. Moscow has shown no intention of negotiating as an honest broker, and any operational pause or attempt to set up a transitional demilitarized zone would only be used to buy time to rearm and reconsolidate forces. President Volodymyr Zelensky held another meeting of the Stavka. They discussed the slow pace of arms and ammunition delivery, with Zelensky saying during his evening address, quote, Every day of delay comes at a cost of the lives of our soldiers. The soldiers have a right to be supplied with all the necessities to successfully carry out the missions given by the command that will move us closer to victory. End quote. Have you seen the video that's been circulating of a Ukrainian drone allegedly flying over the Kremlin? that we didn't report on yesterday? We didn't report on it because it's fake, as our analysts expected. The video was recorded no later than 2015 and was edited with the overlay information. The edited video shows a crosswalk to St. Basil's Cathedral that was removed in May 2015, making it impossible to be a recent recording. The Russian MOD claims that the unmanned surface vessels, or USVs, that attacked Sevastopol in the early morning of April 24th were launched from Odessa, violating the Black Sea Grain Initiative. The Kremlin made the same claim on October 30th, a day after drones struck at least one warship in the Black Sea fleet, and then withdrew from the grain deal for three days. Ukraine, supported by the Turkish Navy and the United Nations, ran the unofficial blockade for those three days, and then Moscow rejoined the program. The British Ministry of Defense confirmed they had sent thousands of rounds for the Challenger 2 main battle tank to Ukraine, including depleted uranium munitions. Speaking of depleted, let's talk about the Russian military mobilization and Mir. Red Square in Moscow will be closed from April 27th to May 10th as part of Victory Day celebration preparations. 
The measure the Federal Security Service, or FSB, takes is for, quote, security reasons. There were false claims that the Moscow Victory Day Parade was canceled. A new cemetery for PMC Wagner was found in Husenobrod in the Novosibirsk region with approximately 200 fresh graves. The so-called Donetsk People's Republic OMON commander Alexander Khodakovsky went after PMC Wagner leader Prigozhin, accusing him of war profiteering, saying, quote, The firms of the Kremlin chef Yevgeny Prigozhin in the war year 2022 earned more than two times more on contracts with the Ministry of Defense than in 2021, 4.7 billion rubles compared to 1.9 billion rubles. Prigozhin's companies are making record profits on the supply of army food and the construction of military facilities. It's really true. To whom is the war and to whom is the mother dear? A person makes money from war, blood, and human grief. End quote. A quick sidebar. Calling Prigozhin Putin's chef is meant as an insult, as he started as a caterer and grew in influence after connecting with Putin. Khodakovsky's tone in his social media messages changed drastically after his unit, the 11th Brigade of the 1st Army Corps, was rendered combat destroyed at Vukhladar and his headquarters destroyed by HIMARS. Before February 5th, he was optimistic about a looming Russian total victory and has since become a defeatist. A resident of Simferopol in occupied Crimea was detained for smuggling parts of military equipment from Russian-occupied Crimea to Japan. Postal employees discovered the 22-year-old man was sending the plates for bulletproof vests. The FSB searched his apartment and found other military equipment ready for shipment. The exiled mayor of Maritopol, Ivan Fedorov, reported that Russian soldiers digging trenches accidentally dug up cattle that had been previously euthanized and buried due to having anthrax. The unit has been put into quarantine and two soldiers were infected. The hospital in Malitsipol lacks the equipment and specialists to support infectious diseases, so the two were transferred to another medical facility. Another sidebar. Hey, remember when those Russian soldiers tried to dig trenches in the Red Forest in the Chernobyl exclusion zone and got radiation sickness? Good times. In geopolitical news, the president of the Republic of South Africa, Cyril Ramaphosa, said that the, quote, African National Congress will withdraw the nation from the Rome Statute established to support the International Criminal Court, or ICC. The BRICS summit will be held in South Africa this August, and Russian President Vladimir Putin is presumed to attend. The office of the president later put out a statement saying that there had been a misunderstanding and South Africa would not in fact withdraw. Dmitry Medvedev claims to have, quote, recruited Elon Musk to the Russian cause and referred to him as, quote, our brave infantryman, in a rambling speech that didn't appear to be electrifying the crowd. United States President Joe Biden announced he would seek a second term in 2024. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates.
Thank you for listening.